0: is behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika, and Alex coming up on today's podcast. Firstly, I just want to thank everyone who guessed Who was this week's guest. We had some really great guests. We had Matali Raj, Marizan Cap, Sophie Devine, Alyssa Healy, Molly Strano and the Siva Brunts. Unfortunately, none of you were correct. Our guest this week is the one, the only Danny Wyatt. Now sit back and relax as Danny talks about playing for Southern Vipers under the iconic Charlotte Edwards and wanting to win the trophy named after the coach. And you know what it was like winning the World Cup in 2017 and then to be so close this year and to just miss out, as well as her ambitions to play in a test one day. Today we are welcoming two women's cricket out. the one,
1: the only, Danny Wyatt. Danny, welcome to the pods
2: hello thank you for having me i've heard a lot about this podcast oh good things we hope
3: Mm, georgia adams is a
1: big fan oh we're a big fan of georgia adams though aren't we hannah
3: obviously og she was the first one we did so that's good she's saying good things though right good things yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) she loves you guys yeah we we love her too but we 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 know i love the vipers so i mean i'm not going to be quiet are you coming on are you coming on saturday i am indeed i'm on the ecb stream on saturday Oh, please say good things about us. No, but it's when they tell you you have to try and be partisan and you're like, well, I'll take my Vipers hat off then, literally my hat and hide it. Are you it. actually a Vipers fan? Oh, no, I actually am. Yeah, I have a hat and everything. See, there you go. And orange and yeah, everything. No, I actually am a Vipers fan. Yeah. I've got a George Adams shirt upstairs, actually, and everything.
2: Well, you can have a white one if we win on Saturday. Duh. <laughs> I could just have a whole
1: team go up, like wear a different one every day of the week. Yeah. We digress though. So obviously we're here to talk about you, not Georgia Adams today, because you can listen to her on a separate podcast. And, um, you know, we, we've we got to start things off with the biggest news in English women's cricket recently, which was the brunt siver wedding. How was it?
2: Oh, it was so beautiful. I was just so grateful that I could make the day. Um, I was going to do the IPL and then I did actually say to the BCCI, I said, Luke, we've got the possibly the wedding of the decade happening whilst I'll be out there's any chance I could come home for it and they said no so then I said okay I'm not going then because I would not miss that wedding for anything and yeah it was a truly very special day both Nat and Catherine both looked gorgeous and it was very emotional as you can imagine yeah it was just so good to to finally see them get married because it's been delayed for about two years now. So they finally got married and yeah, what a great day it was. And we had, most of us had games the next day, so we couldn't go too big. But I think Amy Jones did. Amy did because she had a game at 6pm the next day. (laughs) So she was like, right, it's fine. I can enjoy myself. And yeah, it was a really special day and uh, one that I won't forget
3: for a long time. And obviously it's um, Pride Month as well in June so this is going to be coming out in the midst of it and how important do you think it is that their wedding was kind of so visible and shared across the cricket world?
2: Yeah I don't think there's too many people that aren't that comfortable coming out like on social media and Twitter but I feel like Catherine and Nat are really big role models and icons I think it's great that they don't care and it's great for people to see as well so I saw England cricket post Um, all of us like posted with the, the day and there was still the odd stupid comment that I had to delete actually which was a shame We still get the the odd idiot saying silly things well that's the world we live in unfortunately still got a bit of a way to go but yeah I think it is fantastic that it was so visible and there was pictures all over social media for the next few days after that which was great and there was a Apart from the odd comment, there was a lot of nice, lovely, positive comments around, and that's what it's all about. You should be able to be who you want to be, and who cares if you're gay or straight or whatever? Like you only live once.
1: I think they're the same kind of idiots that say things like "women can't play cricket," that kind of thing. You exactly. know, you put them in a certain box, and you drop kick that box. So. Exactly. And then obviously we've had, you know, you mentioned you. Missed out on the the Women's T20 Challenge, Women's IPL, whatever we're going to call it for now, to be part of that wedding. But how big was that tournament and the idea of going forward and potentially a Women's IPL for the Women's Game and for you as a player? and just to have more opportunities like that around the world? Because we had some of the England girls out there, didn't we? And they came out with yeah. this shock.
2: Yeah, I think it's massive. I think it's going to be so big for the women's game once there is a standard women's IPL, uh, like the men's. Even if it is, you know, five or six teams, like more than three it will be amazing because I've been lucky enough to play in the last few women's IPL challenges and it's just, it's just not enough. Like You go out there and play two games and that's it. So I do think there needs to be a longer, proper IPL and that'll be so good for the for the women's game. And, you know, there's so many T20 opportunities now from all around the world. You've got the Big Bash, the 100, and the women's IPL, you've got Fairbreak. I've heard about T20 leagues in America, Canada. There's just so much cricket now and it's it's so good. Like You can actually just play T20 cricket all around the world if you wanted to. So, yeah, I just think it's going to be really massive if there is a women's IPL. Possibly next year is what they're saying.
3: Yeah, hopefully they do bring it in. But how have you found your experiences in India, especially because you've got a lot of Indian following. So <laughs> first part of that question is that experience. But the second part is how do you actually manage that influx of fans?
2: Yeah, so I think it was four years ago when they had the one-off game in Mumbai. So me, me and Danny Hazel flew out. Like two days before the game, I think I had Elise Perry, Sophie Devine, Megan Short. We had an amazing team and we just flew out there, had one training session, played and then flew back. And even that was just amazing to be part of, like the buzz of the IPL, because I've grown up watching the men's IPL. And like the buzz, the crowd, just like all the players love playing in it. So I think if there was an even bigger IPL, like a proper IPL, that would just be massive for the women's game and for me personally I have got a lot of Indian fans like they're just so lovely and they're just so passionate about cricket like they I think cricket's their number one sport out there and I even get noticed walking down the street in Mumbai they're like oh there's Danny Wyatt they all have photos which is really nice because you don't really get that over here and they literally can't do enough for you even when you're staying in these five-star hotels they're just so lovely always asking if you want tea or some more food and they just love cricket and it's I love cricket myself obviously and it's just really good for the likes of me and the other girls to experience that being out there even when I'm feeling on the boundary you've got people throwing pens and papers at your head they're like Danny sign sign a lot of them call me Danny Wok instead of Danny Wyatt which is quite funny but they just constantly throw pens and paper at you which is all part of the fun isn't it I guess
3: yeah, because even doing a bit of research earlier, I put in your name and the latest news items and the things that were coming up were straight away was like Danny White's replied to this Indian player's tweet and exchanges and Danny White is best friends with <laughs> and such and, and <laughs> recent news. So I found that quite obviously funny because you wouldn't really get that here. Oh yeah, if- I
2: have to be careful what I say because that Virat Kohli tweet back in 2016 or wherever it was, people still go on about that tweet. Uh, that go people- remind remind the fans. I said, Coley, marry me. So he hit, I think it was like 60-odd in a T20 World Cup and I was at my mate's house at the time. And he was batting really well and I just tweeted. Back then I used to tweet whatever I wanted. I didn't really think about what I was saying. And I was like, Coley, marry me. Wow, or whatever. Like as a joke, obviously. And yeah, I put my phone down, checked it 10 minutes later, and my phone was going crazy. Like so many Indian fans were saying, wow, Danny wants to marry Vera. And I was like, guys, it was a joke. It was all over the Indian news. I had people contacting me. Yeah, it was crazy. And people are still talking about it now. So it is funny, though, you've just got to laugh. And even now, like, I am friends with a few of the Indian cricketers, girls and boys and, you know, cricket's a small world. If somebody does well, I'll congratulate her or Vitaly or Yuzi Chahal. And if I comment on their post, it'll be in the news the next day. So I have to be careful what I say.
1: It's because you're a big dog. It just comes with the territory. (laughs) Obviously, the IPL is hugely prevalent in the men's game and the idea of a women's one is massive. But when you were growing up and you were first getting into cricket, we didn't have all these massive... Franchises, tournaments, everything going on in the world for women's cricket. What got you into it and how did you get inspired to carry on this far?
2: So, my older brother, Ryan, he was playing down at Whitmore Cricket Club, which is just down that road. And I just went down to his training session. I was playing football for Stoke City at the time. I was probably better at football and cricket. And um, the coach said, Danny, come and have a bowl. So, I went and had a bowl. I just picked up like that I didn't even really know how to bowl but I just watched another boy bowl and just copied him and uh, the coach was like oh you're not bad and I just really enjoyed it I love you know the social side of it and being with a load of boys I was one of the boys back then went climbing up trees and doing whatever you do at that age and Yeah, I just went again and again, ended up playing. I think one of the boys broke his leg or something, so they put me in and did really well and just carried on playing from there, really.
3: And you talk about obviously playing boys cricket. Did you have any experiences that were perhaps a little bit negative or was it always positive?
2: No, not at all. I was literally one of the boys. I think it helped me because... My older brother was in the team with me and no one would dare say anything bad to me in front of him. I'd like to think he'd stick up for me. But they were all, all the boys were from my school as well. So that helped as well. And I think it's a respect thing. I think as soon as, you know, well, the only actually, play that back, I actually played, I think it was one of my first seasons playing cricket, played against a club in our league, which is not too far from here. And um, I went out to the crease and one of the boys on the other team, he was like, oh, they've got a girl playing. He always got the remarks, I know there's a girl, they're going to be rubbish. And then I remember going out there and hitting a four and the boys were like, oh, and then they all stepped back a bit because they all come in close. And then as soon as you hit a four or you hit one really hard, they all stand back a bit. And I was a bit like, "What you kind of attitude. And yeah, I was always one of those girls back then that was a bit like a boy and just wanted to show them that girls can be as good as boys. And yeah, I wasn't really scared, wasn't shy of giving it a go and getting stuck in there. And if anyone said anything bad, I'd probably turn around and say something to them. So, But I do say, I do recommend... Girls growing up now, back when when I was 10, so the girls coming up now, I always tell them to make sure they play boys cricket because I do think it toughens you up a bit. And obviously they bowl quicker and hit the ball harder at that age. So I think you do learn a lot quicker at that age playing boys cricket.
1: And um, was it then that you realised you were going to be a batter rather than a bowler?
2: No, I was actually a bowler, you know. I batted a little bit. I started off bowling seam, little the waist swingers and then my dad told me that I wasn't gonna be able to bowl bouncers or bowl that quick because I was quite small and he was like why don't you take up spin so I took up spin and didn't really look back and just I actually got into the England under 21 team as a bowler I got I think I was leading wicket taker in the European Championships when I was 15 batted like number nine or ten because I was quite little I still am quite little and I literally couldn't get the ball off the square I was that tiny and thin and then as soon as I got into the England setup they told me to get in the gym did a, f- did a few weights and yeah just out of the blue my wrist started getting stronger so I'm quite wristy and now I can I can hit a few uh over the ropes now
1: maybe just one or two yeah get in the gym drink some protein shakes and you'll be a world cup winner but um just throwing it back quickly to that growing up around boys and playing around boys was there anything you found difficult as a girl especially at that age you know you're having to wear whites you're having to use different changing rooms was there anything that you really had to try and deal with at that time you know like did you just have to go and change in the girls bathroom on your own
2: yeah because i played on a sunday with the senior men and i used to get changed in the toilets or in the umpire's shed But I didn't really mind that. yeah, just the odd comment about, oh, they've got a girl playing. And I felt like I kind of had to prove myself around this area in North South, South Cheshire. Once you proved yourself, like once I got like a, a hundred, everyone kind of, you know, respected me and thought, wow, she can actually play. And then I didn't really hear any dodgy comments. So apart from that, I was had no problem at all and just got stuck in there
3: yeah because did you have many kind of female role models kind of growing up and stuff because i think from my experiences growing up when you're around the boys and stuff sometimes you internalize some of those comments and you, you're trying so hard to be one of the lads you're like oh women's cricket you know what's women's cricket like you don't realize it's an actual thing so did you have any kind of female role models in did you kind of internalize any of that lad band to yourself? And do you have to unpick that at all?
2: No, I mean, I used to watch women's football a lot when I was growing up. And I knew that they had an England team and you could be a professional footballer, but I never I never knew you could be a professional. Well, you couldn't back then, but I never knew you could even play cricket for England until I got into the county setup and people started talking to me about it. And yeah, role models-wise. David Beckham was always my biggest role model and I just watched football all the time. But yeah, there was looking back, there was no female role models really that stuck out for me. I was probably always outside playing sport anyway, not really watching TV.
1: So you must have been excited by the giant David Beckham on Buckingham Palace for the Jubilee. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, it was like the highlight of the whole thing, you know, we it was. It and that was great. And then we saw the giant David Beckham face and I was like, right, we can tick off Jubilee now and go back to normal. <laughs> Maybe have another three-day week or whatever it's. has I don't even know what day it is anymore.
2: What a fantastic Jubilee weekend, by the way. I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty
1: cool. Especially because we had, you know, four-day weekend and all that. You mentioned growing up and then you got a bit stronger. You started to find a way into a few England age group things. How did it all come about that you then made your way through from there, young bowler, turned mm. into a bit of a batter, to then where you are now, World Cup winner?
2: Um, so I got picked for Staffordshire when I was 13 and I got 300s in a row and everyone was like oh she's really good batter who bowls and then I played for the senior team Staffordshire senior team when I was 14 batting number three and I still really couldn't get off the square like I still needed to get in the gym at this point and then I got picked for the under 21s mainly as a bowler, but a bit and then I actually got picked for England eighteen. It was my debut tour in India. I got picked as a bowler, but in my head I knew I was always more of a batter. I just needed to grow a bit and yeah, do my thing basically and show off. And I remember Charlotte Edwards had a rest for the last ODI of the series, and Nikki Shaw was captain, so I played. I think I got like nubbed for twenty off four overs and came in number eight and got twenty eight not out and that kind of proved to the England setup that I was a batter and then in T20s I was opening the bowling for a few years and batted middle order starting to hit a few sixes and then my bowling kind of went downhill like my lower back was hurting me a bit and my batting was just getting better and better and then yeah it was probably 2016 17 when i really showed everyone what i can do showed the world what i could do with the bat um i've been i was at that point i was playing for Renegades in the big bash and did really well for them with the bat and the ball actually and then i went and did that hundred and the ashes in the t20 that kind of made me as a t20 batter and yeah don't really bowl anymore well i do but i had a little bit of a shoulder injury last year so i'm getting back to bowling now
3: And before we come on to obviously all those mega seasons, just want to kind of flip it back to who was in your cohort when you were coming through those England ranks? Like who were the teammates that you were kind of battling against for positions and the ones that you enjoyed playing with the most? I
2: loved playing under Charlotte Edwards. She's a good friend of mine now. and really lucky to be under her at Vipers. She's a fantastic coach. And then me and Heather Knight made a debut on the same day. So I mean, travel like this. Katherine Brunt, she's still playing. Nikki Shaw, then there's Aaron Brindle, can't remember who else played. Jenny Gunn, Nat Siver, who still play now. I never like when I was, when I look back now, I never thought that there was anyone in particular that I was up against. I kind of just trained really hard, I enjoyed being around the England setup. And if I got picked, I was really happy and I just go out there and try my best. And I think as you get older, you start to learn what works for you and I think back then I was way too over aroused when I used to play for England. I was all excited and giddy, whereas now I stay calm, relaxed, because I know that that works for me. I look back at all my good performances and feel how I felt then and try and get those feelings back for every game, really. I think a lot of cricket is all in your head Um, and how you prepare. And yeah, you know, the cricket, if the cricket gods are on your side, you've got a good chance of, of performing well.
1: So yeah, now we'll we'll bring it back to the England career, and so you kicked it off there. Do you remember how you felt on your debut and what it was like, and how it went down for you?
2: Yeah, so my debut was in Mumbai, and I remember it being so hot and really like the air was so smoggy, and we fielded first, and I remember just being so nervous. I was like, "She's going to ask me to bowl, and I'm so nervous. I don't know how to hang my bowl." And then after the first ball, after I got it down there, it was fine. I didn't ball that great, though, but still did all right. And it got really hot and smoggy. And I remember looking around the field. I think Tammy and Heather played as well. And they were all coughing. And then I started coughing. And it was just the it was the air. It was really weird. I thought the match was going to get abandoned. And I was like, surely this won't happen. So I was like, why would this happen to me? Come on, surely not. And yeah, then I got the 28-0 out. Got my first runoff. Uh, Julian me down to third man We're running in and I was like I just remember smiling I was like, <laughs> like I don't remember being that nervous and I was just buzzing to be playing and yeah one is the game so and then I remember made my t20 debut like two days after that it was like the first game in series and I got run out for zero so I went from being Don Bradman to Donald Duck
3: it was very sad I absolutely love that and I guess that's a good moment to just bring up about form and stuff how do you kind of bounce back when you you know you can have an amazing time but especially if you're opening up you can mm-hmm. be centuries you can be hitting back to back 50s but then when you don't perform all of a sudden there's a lot of weight and expectation and comments about yeah. the team.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I mean a lot of people don't make it in cricket because of that reason that they can't cope with the failures and cricket is such a fickle game like it's part of the game you're going to get out you're going to fail more times than you come off and that's just how it is you've just got to get on with it and accept it move on park it learn from it and yeah just prepare well and mark robinson said to me you know i always remember what he said he was like if you prepare as well as you can you know you've I was, like what, 27, 28 at the time when he was coach. I know I know what works for me. Just keep doing all the basics. And um, just give yourself the best chance to go out there and perform and hope the cricket gods are on your side. And just, I think, really back yourself and believe in yourself that you can do it, which is the, the main thing, especially in T20 cricket. Because the way I play as well, I'm definitely going to, fail more times and I'm going to come off and that's just the way it is and when it comes off it's yeah it's quite good <laughs> quite entertaining but yeah I think as you get older as well you start to learn more about yourself and then you start to realize that cricket's not everything there's a lot more bad things going on in the world than getting out for zero in cricket but luckily you haven't always been out for zero
1: you may have gone Donald Don Bradman to Donald Duck but you were <laughs> part of that initial first tranche of ECB professional contracts for women what was it like to be part of that and as a real moment in history that you'd already been part of the MCC young cricketers so that had given you that boost that you needed but to yeah. be part of that first layer of them really sort of paved the way for the future of women's cricket
2: yeah it's one of my proudest moments actually to be part of the first ever squad of professional women's cricketers I can always say I can always say that and um Yeah, I think looking back from then as well, the way women's cricket has risen, is just amazing and it's only getting bigger and better. I mean, you look at the amount of girls that are playing cricket now compared to when I first started playing. I was the only girl playing around this area. I think the real turning point as well was us winning the World Cup in 2017. That sellout crowd, it was live on TV. It got the whole country talking about women's cricket. And yeah, that was just one hell of a special day that I'll
3: never forget. And before we go on to that 2017 World Cup, I just wanted to know what involvement you had in the 2009 World Cup. Did you get to be around the squad and did you see it and did you engage in it at all? Because I think for me Uh, growing up, the first time I saw women's cricket.
2: I was actually picked after that. I was picked in in 2010. And yeah, actually, my dad actually said, you've done well to get in the World Cup winning squad because normally, you know, after you win a World Cup... You don't normally, it's quite hard to get into a World Cup winning side. But I did watch that on TV.
3: Yeah, and I just didn't know if you had any kind of involvement watching it from like a fan perspective as a player who wanted to kind of break into that side. Or I've
2: always been quite chilled. I remember back then I was always just playing cricket for the fun of it and then whatever happened, happened, kind of. But I did think, wow, that would be amazing if I got into that squad. And then I did. <laughs> How did you find out that you'd made the squad? I was on the beach in Sydney on holiday and I had a phone call from Mark Lane, who was the coach at the time. And he said, Danny, we'd like, we'd like to take you to India for an ODI and T20 series. Would you be interested? I was like, oh, yes, please. I remember ringing mum and dad
3: that night and yeah, I was absolutely buzzing. And then now going on to that 2017 World Cup, the first match obviously didn't go to plan. So how did you bounce back from that? And just tell us a little bit more about that overall tournament experience
2: yeah, the World Cup, bit of a roller coaster. First game was at Derby, wasn't it, against India? And I just remember Smitty and someone else smacking it all over the shop. Um I was on the boundary, had a few balls go over my head. And we've in the past, we've never done that well with our first game, like whether it be the first game of a series, first game of the World Cup, we always somehow lost the game. and we knew you know it was a long World Cup. Um, It didn't really matter if we lost the first one, just learn, learn from it, park it, prepare, go well and go again and just take it each game, take each game as it comes is what we always said. And we always had our eyes set on being at Lords, and we just kept thinking about, come on, play and our end goal was to be at Lords for that final and yeah, we beat South Africa in the semi at Bristol, another close game. Jenny Gunn with the win, no Anya with the with the winning runs, and Jenny was batting with her. And then, yeah, there we were at Lords in the final. I wasn't, but I didn't play the last four games of the tournament, which personally was disappointing. But it was it was fantastic to be a part of the of the squad, and yeah, those celebrations on the pitch and afterwards were very special.
1: Yeah, and that semi final was quite a moment for everyone that you guys were going to be in the final at Lord's mm-hmm. home crowd and do you remember that moment that Anya hit those runs because that was insane
2: yeah I do I was uh had my bib on I think there's a there's a video of me with my bib on and I jumped on Danny Hazel and then someone else jumped on me <laughs> I've literally mounted Danny Hazel and then Jenny and um, Anya came back in and we jumped on them and um yeah just moments like that as, as what you play cricket for and yeah what I, th- I did think deep down if we'd beat South Africa we would beat India in the final and we did
1: yeah and then obviously you had that insane spell from Anya in the final what was it like to actually witness that and now you get to you've got Anya down with you at the Vipers these days haven't you played yeah, so I need the ledge. What, what was it like to see that and what she'd been like as a player to have around just in the Indian setup for such a while
2: yeah I mean, her spell at Lord's was incredible, wasn't it? I know she had a tough time throughout the World Cup, like she didn't have much rhythm, as she said, and she did struggle a bit, and I mean her resilience that she shown. she showed throughout the final, I mean to come back and bowl like she did in front of a full house. and she literally backed herself, just bowled straight, fallen straight, big in swing, and yeah, luckily she got I think six for that day. And I was straight over the advertising boards, ran straight into the middle of the pitch. It was like the best feeling I've ever had. That like, was mad. And yeah, Anya's just been an incredible player for England over the years, and it's been a pleasure to play with her. And now I'm lucky enough to have her at the Vipers and at the Brave, and hopefully she can... I'm not sure what her plan is, but she's playing this summer for us, and
3: we'll see how she goes um, after that. And then just thinking about the competition as well, I've read a lot and heard a lot from players about having a social media kind of like silence, a complete switch off during like 2017 World Cup campaign. So were you on social media? Did you sneakily have a look or did you completely withdraw it? And what impact did that have on you? Like, Because do news reports kind of affect the way that you go and play? Do you get distracted by anything you see online or are you quite good at shutting that off?
2: I actually forgot we did that. That was uh, funny. (laughs) But yeah, I think we had a meeting before World Cup because... The hockey girls did it in the Olympics and we all agreed that we should do it. And yeah, I think we all deleted the app. I'm pretty sure we did. I can't remember sneakily having a peek. And I think, you know, some people do get a bit distracted by what people say on social media. It's so easy for for people to write something negative, isn't it? And, you know, in a World Cup, you can't really get away from it. So I think it is a good idea to actually switch off from social media while you're in a tournament. And yeah, I definitely, I definitely didn't look at Instagram. I might have looked at the odd tweet, but I think, you know, it's more individual. I think some people don't care what people say, which is me. And some people it really affects. So, yeah, it's up to you, really.
1: And then jumping ahead to the more recent World Cup. Obviously you guys went in as defending champions and once again, it didn't quite get off to the ideal start or second game or third game. Yeah. Um, how was it dealing with that and then having to bounce back from that? Because there was, there is a lot of talk on social media, especially and in the media about those kind of things saying England are champions and they can't win a game against X, Y, and Z. How mm-hmm. was it coping with that and then bouncing back to reach the final?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, when you're in a World Cup, you can't really get away from it, especially when it's all over the TV and there's games on every day. And yeah, you know, it's people's jobs to say things about about us. Um, that's how I look at it. And we did struggle the first few games, but I think, you know, it was pretty tough few months that was with the ashes the world Cup, living with restrictions in australia and new zealand and yeah everyone was going through their own little battles i think it was just a case of like for me i had to get out and do normal things whether it be go to the beach go for a coffee get on those scooters and go down auckland high street and just get away from everyone facetime home and just you know look at footage the night before a match and Train really well and that was my plan I think a lot of the other girls are probably similar Um, and you've just got to accept that people are gonna say things well that's their job and I think you know we did have a few convos after those first few games because we did struggle a bit and we weren't playing anywhere near what we can play like and we just said right we're just gonna go out there and play for her. play for us um do the country proud and what will be will be and i think a credit to to everybody involved like you know for us to make the final was an incredible achievement after the way we started I think to bounce back after the, the the first few games was a credit to everyone
3: And what kind of sacrifices did you have to make going into it because obviously you're on the road for three months for that stint and obviously Christmas was perhaps a little bit different for you. And we saw people like somebody's dad was bowling. Was it Sarah Glenn's? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's dad was bowling to them in the nets, that kind of stuff. So preparation wasn't ideal. I don't think people realised as well how much you really did sacrifice to Mm. put on the show. Yeah, that's what I mean.
2: Just things like that, you know, we couldn't have a normal Christmas. We had to be safe living because we were about to board a flight to Australia like a few days after Christmas. And then we had to do our own training. So I had my partner throwing balls at me in the net. Glennie had a dad batting against her. Um, Heather had her partner bowling at her and yeah, just things like that really. And, and then we had... We had the charter flight out to Australia and then we had restrictions once we got out there. Like It wasn't easy and we had loads of different things to deal with as well as the cricket. You know, you were playing in the Ashes and the World Cup, which is two of the, the highest tournaments you can play in. And yeah, I think we did exceptionally well looking back with how we all dealt with it. So I think we'll, we'll come out better for it, that's for sure.
1: And obviously you were away for a really long time. There was the Ashes, the multi-format. We had um, we had that insane Test match, but you've not yet got to play in the Whites, have you? How much would you like to play for England in a Test match?
2: I'd love to play a Test match. There's one coming up this summer, actually, in a couple of weeks. So I'd love to play in it, but we'll see. We'll soon find out, I guess. I mean, I've shown that I can play a sensible role. I've done it a number of times in in the ODI format where I've needed to come in and steady the ship and knock it around so I can do it it's just whether the uh, selection committee backed me so we'll see.
1: And obviously you have shown your versatility you know between T20 and 50 over but also moving up and down the order is that something you think is going to play to your strengths and what's it like to be sort of brought up the order to open when they're like right we need that explosive start?
2: Yeah I mean I'm kind of a settled opener now in T20 format I've been opening for the last four or five years now but the ODI format I've been up and down all of my career I mean it goes to show that I am a versatile player and I can bat in whatever situation they want me to which is a positive. Yeah obviously going from batting in the middle order last summer doing well there to carrying on in the middle in the ashes and then going up to opening in the world cup wasn't where I thought I'd be but when I got asked to do it I said yes straight away because you know that's where the best place to bat is top of the order in a world cup as well so yeah I'll just keep going keep working hard keep scoring as many runs as I can and
3: wherever they want me to battle back just talk us through that century as well like
2: Um, yeah I mean it was the semi-final wasn't it and we batted first I'm not sure if we won the toss or not but I knew it was a good wicket at Christchurch the sun was shining big occasion big crowd I was excited Lisa Kightley said to me she was like come on show off I'm gonna be on tvs so, and those people watching you love a crowd and I was like <laughs> and yeah I just went out there and I think their plan was to get me caught at point so I had a lot of wit early on and in my head I was like just hit the ball down if they offer me some width, I'm gonna hit the ball hard but on the floor and they just kept Offering me loads of cuts, and luckily they were going on the floor through the gap. And then before I knew it, I was on 50 odd, and then I was losing a few wickets around me. So I kind of had to play a bit more, I like to rein it in a little bit and be a bit more sensible and knock it around. And then Sophia Dunkley came in and took the pressure off a little bit, and then we got a good partnership going. And then before I knew it, I was on 90 odd, and then got the three figures. And I think we ended up with 300 plus, which was a really good score. Um, in a semi-final and bowlers backed it up with a fantastic performance and then into the final we went.
1: Obviously that then got you into the final which was something you hadn't expected when the tournament you know after you lost those first three games but you were on the end of an Australian masterclass really I mean there was not a lot that could have been done in that situation do you think what do you think it is that has made Australia so good for so long is it their you know backing their domestic players and having those contracts you know the contracts in there a lot earlier than anyone else and how
2: we, yeah i mean they've had a great squad since i started playing for england and yeah they're number one team for a reason they've got so much depth in their squad you know they've got some of the best batters in the world some of the best balls in the world and they are tough to beat but they are beatable and i truly believe we'll beat them in the calm off games watch this space but yeah i think you know they've they all know their roles they they look like they just go out there and just really focus on their role and it all comes together, obviously it makes them a really good team and yeah, pains me to say it, but they are a very good outfit <laughs> but I think you know with their with their um domestic setup it's fantastic and I've been there and I've played there for a number of years I've seen it you know how they how they all train and they've got so many professional cricketers below the Aussie setup, which is which is why they are one of the best team. Well, the best team in the world.
3: So you're talking about kind of like the matchups and how they were trying to target you, trying to, you know, get you to cut and all the rest of it to try and get you out. How much do you think performance analysis and players' cricket intelligence have improved throughout the years?
2: Yeah, I think it's improved lots, but I, I do think, you know, we've we play with and against these players all the time now, whether it be in the Big Bash and the Hundred, and everyone knows each game really well, which is makes it exciting, I guess. I think, you know, you can be best friends for a few weeks and then enemies the next month, <laughs> which is can be a bit weird sometimes, but and I think players are constantly working on different skills and getting better as well. So yeah, there's always something new to to work on.
1: And you mentioned those domestic leagues. We have them all over the world. You play alongside these people. You play against them. How much has that changed during your career? And what does the future look like? Obviously, you've been part of, been part of the inaugural fair break where we first probably met, aren't you lucky? Um, <laughs> and all these things going on all over the world, what is that doing for the women's game and for your game personally?
2: Mm. Yeah, it's so good. As, as I mentioned before, I mean, there's so many opportunities now all around the world, especially in T20s, you've got Big Bash the 100, Charlotte edwards uh, Rachel Hoyer Flint. You've got so much cricket now and there's more professional cricketers in our country now, which is great to see and needy to happen. Um, And the only way is up for women's cricket. I truly believe in the next five years, it's going to be scary times. And I think we're going to have some real big cricketers on our hands. You know, you've got the likes of Alice Capsy, Lam, Maya Boucher, or everyone that's stepped up on the on the big stage at the 100, in the Charlotte Edwards Cup as well. So gonna be very interesting and it's just great to have so much cricket now for for myself and all the other girls coming through as well. And I do think like I've learned so much about myself and about my cricket when I've been away in Australia playing in the Big Bash, playing at Fairbreak, you know, you learn so much about yourself and about your cricket. And it's good to go and you know test yourself in different conditions, not just be in England. Because I remember my first trip to Oz, I was 18 and just got thrown into a new team in Australia. You've got to find your ways. You've got to find somewhere to live and do your own cooking and washing, which I never did until I was 18. And, yeah, I think it's great to to travel abroad and play.
3: What's a go-to
2: dish? Chicken, tritzo, pasta. I just love a pasta.
3: Need all the carbs for all the runs. <laughs> yeah, carbs and days. Just going back to fair break as well. mentioned like learning new things what were those new things that you learned about your game and about yourself during that competition and as a senior player and more experienced player compared to the cultures that you played with what did you give back to them as well
2: oh it was so honestly it was one of the best trips I've had like the people there were just so lovely um and the associate girls were just so willing to learn and they weren't shy to ask me whatever they wanted and yeah for me just to see how they are as people like they're just so grateful sometimes you know we are we sometimes forget how lucky we are so it was very humbling actually to to be out there with I think there was people from 25 different countries and you know it was amazing to listen to some of their stories and their backgrounds of of how they play like there's one girl on my team tina from germany she only she plays cricket on Astro like they don't have grass wickets so she was telling me that's why she doesn't run in and bowl quick because she just has to she'll slip on a astro wicket so she has to just jog in and just bowl it and yeah there was a girl from Papua new guinea who well i gave her one of my bats and some gloves actually she was telling me how expensive it is for kit over there and how she struggles to even train so yeah it's just really nice to hopefully give give some advice to them and i said if ever they want to contact me and ask then i'm only my um, phone call away
3: and what was it about your game that you kind of took away from that experience as well what new things did you learn
2: it was different facing slow bowlers on a pitch that didn't really bounce much in dubai Um, so i guess for me it's learn how to bat in those conditions if i ever go out there and play again and actually captained a couple of games and I've never done that before so that was an experience and yeah I guess being a leader as well and instead of just turning up and doing what I do it was actually nice to give back and think about what other people need from me and how they'll benefit from me chatting to them hopefully uh, they enjoyed chatting to the likes of me and Batesy and Marizanne Cap
1: And you were in the mighty orange of the mighty Vipers still playing for the Falcons out there. And then it's back over to England, back to the cold rain, whatever it's been (laughs) doing. And back to the Charlotte Edwards Cup, which we're recording this just a few days out from the Charlotte Edwards Cup final. What have the preparations been like going into this and how are you feeling? Can you take it this year? And is it going to be a double for the Vipers this year?
2: Well, I literally landed from Dubai on the Monday night and played at the Aegeus on the Wednesday night, and since then it's been non-stop travel play, travel play, the odd training session, um, which has been fantastic, and the weather's been all right as well, Um, but it's been great to be back with the Vipers girls and the girls are on fire. Like, we've got really strong squad, and it's it's tough to pick the 11 at the minute, not going to lie. I uh, feel for Gads and Lottie. But, yeah, we've got training on Friday in Northampton, and then we play on the Saturday. But I know the girls are training together down south, and I've got England camp this week at Loveborough. So we'll come together Friday, train really hard, prepare really well, and hopefully lift that trophy on Saturday. Come on. I've lost and another thing, I've lost the last three finals I've played in. So we have to win on Saturday.
3: I can't face another loss. So if you don't win, it's all your fault, basically.
2: I know. I've lost the hundred <laughs> final, the World Cup final, and the Fairbreak final
3: in the last whatever it is, year. yeah. we need to we need to break that. We need to break that. But yeah. just a, a final couple of questions. Obviously, you're part of the Vipers in the KSL days and everything as well. So what does it mean to you to be a Viper?
2: Yeah, I love playing for the Vipers and I think Lottie is a great coach. I learn a lot from Lottie and just seeing the way the girls have improved over the last few years has been amazing to see. Um, They're such great girls as well and I know how hard they work. So, you know, to see their success has been been really nice to see and it's an honour to be in such an amazing squad and hopefully we can win on Saturday as well.
3: And then finally, just... What is the best kind of advice you've been given? And what is the best advice you'd give to a young girl listening?
2: Best advice I've been given? Gosh, I don't know. Lottie, Charlotte Edwards told me when I when I first got an England team, she said, block the good ones, hit the baddens. Like literally keep it that simple. And I always remember that quote. That was probably the best advice being given. And yeah, I think advice to, to girls growing up, I always tell them to play boys cricket as it toughens them up and you learn a lot quicker I think playing boys and I always just say go out there and enjoy it and just do your best at the end of the day and play with a smile on your face that's what it's all about
1: nice well we like to round off these with some quick fire questions that are just more chilled okay so what is your favorite item at a cricket tea cup of tea with sugar
2: yes two if it's a big mug if not one Favourite sledge that you've used slash heard? More dots than on a darts board. Favourite ground you've ever played at? Lords. Port Vale or the Vipers? Port Vale.
1: If you weren't a cricketer,
2: what would you want to do? Be a footballer.
1: And if there was a certain footballer you could be wag to, who would it be? Oh gosh,
2: I don't know. David Beckham. Yeah, good choice.
1: Best person you've ever played alongside? Phil Edwards. And against? Uh, India. Funniest moment you've ever had on a cricket pitch?
2: When I was fielding at Point against Sri Lanka and I noticed I've still got my training trousers on and everyone else has obviously got the right trousers on, I was like, Trev, I've got the wrong trousers on. And she had a go at me. So like, get off quick. And I was like, oh, OK.
3: <laughs> and then it wasn't quite, it wasn't funny, but looking back, it's funny. <laughs> what is the funniest rumour you've heard about yourself? Oh, God, I can't say it on air. <laughs> Oh, you
2: roundabout idea of it, and people can make their own inferences. It was something about me and Didier Drogba, and that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I've never met the guy, so I don't know how that was made a rumor. Last TV series you binged? I haven't watched the series for ages. Oh, Dexter. Dexter. Are you a fan of Love Island? Yes. Favourite Islander throughout the years. Chris because he's a cricket badger. Oh, yeah, good choice. Go to cocktail. Sex on the beach. Very fruity.
1: <laughs> Basically one of your five a day? Yeah, so nice. Night out or day drinking?
2: As I'm getting older, probably day drinking and then get to go home early. Mm. Have some food after and then, and then go to bed.
1: And what is your one dream in
3: cricket?
2: My one dream is to win the next
3: Ashes. Hannah, have you got any more? I think you've summed it up perfectly. I think we've got plenty better. Unless you've got any final ones, Georgie, but I don't think so. No, I think it we can feels let us be from Stoke. <laughs> that is not how I
2: speak. But I'm going to have to go now. because I'm going to Chesterfield to, to watch England on the 21s. Oh, fun. Lovely.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, we will see you on Saturday.
0: Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Massive thanks to Danny for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. She is only the second World Cup winner from 2017 that we've had on. She had some really great stuff to say, especially her loyalty to the Southern Vipers, you know, playing for them back in the KSL days and still continuing to play for them now. Talk about loyalty. And we also asked her the important question, the one that you were all wanting to know, who is Danny Wyatt's favourite Love Islander? And I'm pleased to tell you that it is the one, the only, Chris Hughes. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketShirt on instagram at women's cricket chat and if you want to give us a like on facebook we are women's cricket chat if you'd like to give our personal twitters a follow then it's at hannity 1194 at georgia heath 27 at cassie coombs 98 at mehika barshni and i'm at alex this has been the women's cricket chat tune in next time